0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I would imagine many folks have seen their hydro bills, their electricity bills, their their gas bills, their gasoline bills, and they recoiled in absolute horror. So I drive a car, not a truck. Pretty big car, about to drive a driver car, and I went to fill it up, and and I told my next guest last time he was on with us two weeks ago, that I was horrified that I ran up a hundred dollars in in gasoline costs just to fill my fill my car, and I'd taken it down to fumes just so I could take a look and see what it would run up to It was hundred bucks. So yesterday I filled the thing up again, and it wasn't quite empty, the. Uh, Readout on the dash said I had about 80 kilometers to go before I pulled over involuntarily. And it was $108 that I ended up paying for, for, for gas. And I'm sure this story is repeated time and again across this country. Dan uh, McTagg joins us, president of Canadians for Affordable Energy, former liberal member of parliament, 18 years. And uh, there are a few people in this country who know more about the price of gasoline and the cost of energy than Mr. McTagg so we go from a hundred bucks and the things on fumes to a, an, it's a, it's an almost a ten percent increase, and I still have fifty miles to go before it runs out of gas. And the second fill up, this is happening across the country, isn't it?
1: It very much is, Roy, and it's going to continue to get worse. Uh, your purchasing power, your ability to do what you did a week or a month ago, is going to continuously get eroded as we head to. Uh, well, we've already smashed through uh, every province. Really, has seen all-time record uh, price increases, except Saskatchewan, um, and uh, it's not likely to get any better for anyone anytime soon.
0: What's causing it, Dan?
1: A combination of factors uh, on the demand side, of course, uh, a no-brainer. Uh, everyone wants to get back to where we were—pent-up um, demand. Uh, but on the supply side, uh, a very disturbing, um, you know, event that is. Uh, continuing to unfold uh, despite the warnings by many around the world including myself that uh, shutting in oil production that blocking pipelines that finding regulations and then having uh, you know u.n officials uh, and friends uh, in very high connected places pushing the idea that we can we should no longer be investing in fossil fuels things like coal things like oil things like natural gas these are chickens that are now coming home to roost. And it means that uh, oil production, uh, all important, is not sufficient to meet this demand. And it is a deliberate policy by governments around the world uh, to try to choke off and strangle uh, the energy sector. Uh, you may be against this kind of stuff, but I think for many people who fell in line and thought this was a great idea, now comes time to pay the piper. If you think such a great idea and you thought it was without consequence, Get ready. Fasten your seatbelts because uh, you better hold on to your wallets.
0: We have savaged in this country. We have savaged the energy sector for the last six years anyway.
1: We've dumped all over it. I mean, look, uh, you don't have to take my word for it. The the revenues in that uh, sector uh, have plummeted. There aren't many uh, foreign investors who have come in and said, we want to invest in Canada's future as far as energy is concerned. We've seen a flight of capital, and we've also seen that show up in a way that I think no one can argue against. I speak to any economist, I don't care who you speak to. For us to be in a situation where energy is this expensive, it's almost as if it's $115, $120 a barrel. The Canadian dollar has not responded as it has in the past to protect us because we're not selling enough resources to places like the United States and around the world. And that means that... uh, uh, for instance, gasoline is about 13 cents a liter cheaper than, uh, more expensive than it ought to be. But it's not just that, Roy. It's that it goes through the economy. Everything we price in this country yep. is based on the strength of the no dollar. So there you go.
0: Well, when you look at the supply chain, because you know, everything that are, is in your home, everything that you own has at one time or another been on a truck. So the diesel for those trucks, for the big trucks and all you know, local trucks as well, just the supply chain, the fuel cost for supply chains, has gone up dramatically. So this is going to be passed on to the consumer, and there's at the end of the day, we talked about this last time you we were on. At the end of the day, there's one bill payer, yep. and it's becoming onerous. You know, I'm just looking at one story here that uh, was in the National Post, just quoting here. Uh, Phasing out natural gas generation, this is about Ontario, by 2030 could result in blackouts and hinder electrification, the province's electricity system operator said in a new report, and they go on to state, let me, where is this now? $100 more a month. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This accelerated timeline, the phase-out would cost more than $27 billion dollars. This translates into a 60% or $100 increase on the average monthly residential bill. Does that even take into account what uh, Wynn and McGuinty uh, loaded onto, t- onto, the, onto no. the consumer?
1: <laughs> no, but here's the trick. In places like Ontario, in British Columbia, the governments there are working behind the scenes to actually make even more radical uh, caps on greenhouse gas emissions. So they're going to attack natural gas to drive the price up to such an extent that you want to pay for high electricity prices. In the case of British Columbia... Site C has gone from $5 billion to $25 billion, and it's likely to go even higher. So they want to make it so your electrical bills become attractive uh, by taxing and destroying natural gas. The rest of the world wants it. Uh, it doesn't make sense, and it's going to destroy uh, the very essence of what we are as a country. Uh,
0: and isn't, Quebec, do, isn't Quebec doing the same thing? Yes, of course it is. The,
1: no no LNG. Quebec doesn't have enough uh, electricity, by the way, in the winter to supply itself, much less other jurisdictions. Uh, and make no mistake, anybody who thinks, uh, as our 30 municipal councillors here in Ontario thought, we can just get away, uh, you know rid ourselves of natural gas plants, this is what's in store. Everybody talks a good game on green, Roy, except that when it comes to actually having to pay for it, when people actually see the bill, they're starting to see the bills for diesel, for uh, natural gas, for electricity, and of course for gasoline. You've got a lot of people now saying, well, hang on a second here. I didn't sign up for that. Actually, you know what? You voted last election. doesn't matter what party it was that is currently represented in the House of Commons. You actually did vote for higher taxes on yeah. fuel and making life very difficult for yourself.
0: And the taxes are going up. There's you know, no question. At, uh, There's a timeline. We
1: haven't even started. Wait till, he, wait till he he increases the HST 2%. It's coming.
0: So is Canada then captive to international economic forces, or do we have the ability still should we choose to engage? Do we have the ability to keep our domestic prices lower, and export significant quantities of oil and natural gas to foreign markets, markets likely eager to purchase Canadian energy? I would, I would imagine that China would be quite happy to. Uh,
1: Roy, there'd be buy a lineup. Our product. But there'd be a lineup. But we've allowed activists, alarmists, and uh, you know, a, 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 a currency in this country, a narrative that says, "No, Canada's bad. Look, we're the coldest nation in the world." We are some of the most inhospitable regions of the world, but we have an abundance of energy. Second and third largest proven reserves in the world, and the world wants it but can't get it because we have uh, individuals in this country and politicians who pander to these uh, individuals. Many of them, by the way, subsidized by your taxes and mine, going around telling us, tutting us and telling us what we ought and ought not to do. Look, I have a, a, a simple thing. If you think that shutting down the Canadian economy and making life more difficult for people and destroying our social programs in this country is such a great thing, fund yourself. And I mean by charities that actually tra- show some transparency when they come out behind here. But it's it's unfortunate because we've we've given so much away. The you know life has been good in Canada. We can lift off the fat. We can cash serve checks. I'm being cynical, of course, but I have to be realistic. This thing is about to get very real, Roy. And uh, you and I and others will be seen as uh, slightly ahead of our own time when we warned this was going to happen over the past couple of years.
0: So I received an email from the Canadian Energy News Network. I'm not quite sure who they are, but but they send me information on a regular basis. And the, the first line is, as Europe prepares for energy shortages this winter, I don't know if this is true or not, German state authorities have recently launched a campaign now, yep. To help educate its people on how to survive prolonged power outages, it involves teaching how to cook without electricity. What are you supposed to do, have a campfire?
1: <laughs> you know, there's a picture that's used by Reuters. That's a picture from Canadians from affordable, from affordable energy, or for affordable energy. That's, that's you guys. I, I should be get, get, get getting a little bit of money for that uh, infringement. But here's what they're suggesting. Uh, you know, forget uh, the fact that we've we've put ourselves in a situation where we put all our eggs in one renewables basket we wind doesn't blow solar doesn't work uh, and you need more energy industries are shutting down and people are having to face a 13-fold increase just to keep themselves warm in germany belgium uh and of course in the uk which is uh, i mean a real mess but this is what's coming to canada this is what's coming to the rest of the world we have energy starvation leading to absolute energy poverty and i don't know what the outcome is going to be but i know in cold winters when you don't have heat you wind up with a lot of people in a very, very
0: difficult situation. Dan, about 8 or 10 years ago, I decided I would do a lot of research on the energy situation, excuse me, the energy reality in England. Mm -hmm. And it it was very frightening what I read. And one of the things that has stayed with me is that many British seniors who are not well off ride the buses all day, every day in the winter because that's the only way they can stay warm.
1: It's unfortunate that a country like Britain, that needs desperately needs uh, natural gas, is willing to go and bend a knee to Russia to get it. Has just this week rejected the idea of expansion of natural gas in the North Sea, which it shares in common uh, with Norway. It is incredibly naive and disconnected that you have elitists going around dictating to hardworking people how they're going to manage their lives because. Some people believe that the world is coming to an end in 10 years. This is absolute madness. I think it's going to mean uh, lead to Bojo's exit. And here's the irony. In three to four weeks, you're going to hear a lot about COP26 and Glasgow uh, and, and how many 30,000 planes are going to be coming in there uh, laden with people to lecture usual, the, rest of the world. The usual thing. I guess, I guess the backdrop of a country that's literally on its knees because it's followed this woke policy, this yeah. dangerous green climate policy, which has no basis in reality and is hurting people
0: from around the world. Dan, Joe is calling us from northern Alberta. Joe, go ahead with a question for Mr. McTagg. Hi, Dan. Hi, Roy. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you, doing, Joe? Hey, Joe.
1: Good, good. Chuck uh, Driver from Alberta here. I haul oil for a living. Uh, quick question. I've got lots of friends that I communicate with regularly from the city. In their opinion, um, the direction of the oil patch has nothing to do, the direction or operation of the oil patch has nothing to do with the direction of the country at an at a economical level. I've tried to prove over and over again to them that Canada's answers, a lot of the questions Canada has as far as our climate and, and energy moving forward goes, what could I say to them to, to prove? Or what would be one stat I could point them to that would show that when energy industry does well in Canada, Canada does well on the world stage? Uh, Roy, excellent question. Uh, how about twenty-five to thirty billion net dollars in the pockets of every federal, provincial, and municipal government? And when you don't sell enough oil, as is the case today, when the United States is desperate for more oil. By the way, Roy, they were for thirteen million barrels production a day. They're down to about eleven point three million, so they're short. Uh, it hurts the Canadian dollar. So even if you're not involved with oil, uh, the fact is our purchasing power, Joe, is out the window. Uh, So our Uh, definitely.
0: Okay, Joe, I appreciate the call. Got to move along because we have little time. Uh, Robert in Thornhill, Ontario. Go ahead, Robert.
1: Well, hi. Um, My question is, uh, do we need the energy's pipeline? Uh, Yes, and uh, more so if you now figure that the federal government's really on its last Line of defense. It's had to go use a treaty to stop Michigan from shutting down Line Five, which is about fifty percent of all the energy needs we have for the province of Ontario. Everything from the jet fuel to our propane uh, to our uh, most of our gasoline. If that ever does get shut down, uh, we're we're done. So it's time for the federal government, not so much energy east, but to talk to. and I mentioned this morning in a tweet. Go to TC Mainline, the Trans Canada Mainline, which has supplied us natural gas for years convert that back to oil so that at least we have and it's an existing pipeline, get it at least to Ontario. We'll settle uh, the problem with Quebec later if they can go the way they want in terms of energy.
0: Is anybody in this country, any province in this country, uh, safe from these rapid increases in energy costs?
1: None at all. And it. Uh, all of us share in the weakness of the Canadian dollar, which is driving up the price of everything in ways that we can't possibly imagine. Uh, I think we're going to be looking at, uh, if we go to $100 oil, I think that's inevitable. Look for an average increase right across the country, Roy, of about 25 cents a liter. Uh, if we go to 200 uh, you know, sky's the limit. Uh, we could we could see prices, uh, you know, well over two and a half, uh, maybe two and three quarter uh, a liter. And that isn't just, obviously, gasoline is also diesel, and it would bring our economy really to okay, we have a Okay,
0: we have a minute here. Add to all of this, to this equation, Dan... Major corporations, including oil companies, are stating they are on board with going electric and achieving emissions goals set by the governments for 2030 and 2050.
1: Companies don't care; they're going to pass on whatever it costs to consumers. Um, they're not—they don't have our backs. But we can do a little bit more to make sure that they don't hurt us. And that's to make sure that uh, we start talking to the Mark Carney's of this world about their, uh, you know, their their harebrained plan to shut down investments in oil and natural gas at a time when the world needs more, not less. And we'll do so for the next, uh, you know, for the next 30, 40, 50 years. Uh, net zero electrification. It's a pipe dream and it's a very dangerous one. Canadians have to get real if they want to continue maintaining their standard of living, Roy.
0: Okay, just a few seconds I have left. Do you find you get a lot of support for your positions? Or are people now. challenging you?
1: No, I do now. Uh, it's the challenges are over. People didn't believe it when it was seventy cents for a liter of gasoline. No one cared. It's a buck forty-five now here in Ontario. We're getting a few more converts, and uh, I think it's uh, going to become the major discussion. Yeah, Energy. Force to think to
0: about think is about is the people who are filling up in Vancouver. Buck
1: sixty-five. Yeah, uh, yeah, they will, and, and it's going to become it's going to become a lot worse for them when Horgan brings in the hard cap on uh, on on GHG and drives the cost of uh, natural gas to such a point that uh, no one's going to want to live in Vancouver, much less the rest of British Columbia.
0: Well, I'm good to me. If you want to hear more, subscribe to the Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites.